Bibles, Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 is where we're going to be this morning. We want to start talking about some things that Jesus would undo. Over the past several years, um, you probably had the bracelet of the WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? Back in 1896, a minister by the name of Charles Sheldon wrote a book called In His Steps. This book was just about small town life about life situations, and even then they would just ask, in these situations, how would Jesus handle it? What would Jesus do? Back then, this book sold 30 million copies of what would Jesus do. And 100 plus years later, we still wear the bracelet, and some people still do WWJD. But today, the question I want to ask, and over the next couple weeks, is what would Jesus undo? In our lives. Things that Jesus talks about that's in the red in our Bibles. There's things that Jesus talks about that breaks his heart. Things like what we want to talk about today, indifference, or maybe hollow worship. How about hypocrisy? Pride. You know, those kinds of things. As we think about those things, we talk about indifferences today. I'm not talking about the indifference that people have in the world today, that just because they don't like something, they think they have the right to protest it and walk against it. And I'm not talking about that kind of indifference. I'm talking about spiritual indifference that we have about different things about life. So I want you to just think for a minute. What do you think it was like for Jesus the day he stepped out of heaven? The day that he stepped out of heaven, holy and pure, to endure torture, to endure crucifixion, to come to this earth, to live among us, to live among sinners. Yeah, he came to the earth and he kicked some devil butt and he rose from the dead on that third day. And he did all these things for us. He left the splendor of heaven to come to this earth to live as an example for us so that we can experience the forgiveness of sins, so that we could literally live the fullness of life. Because even it says in the scripture to give us life and to give it what? Abundantly. And Jesus left heaven for that. He gave us the living word at our fingertips. The answers that we need for life are found right here in this book. He gives us access to our God the Father through prayer. He gives us all these things. He changes us from a purpose of selfishness and doing things, just what we want, but he changes us and gives us a spiritual purpose. He gives us the same power that he gave Jesus resurrection power, although we don't recognize it, although we don't accept it a lot of times, we have that same spirit within us. And we go day in and day out a lot of times because we get busy. And we go day in and day out without him ever crossing our mind, without us ever really thanking him for the gift that was given to us. Indifferences. And like I said, I'm not talking about all those things that people want to walk against and protest against. You see, Jesus had a lot of indifferences. I think Jesus even had times in his life where Mary was standing over here going, Jesus, why are you doing this? But what Mary didn't realize a lot of the times was Jesus was actually doing the will of the Father, not what the will of the people wanted. 
I could find at least eight times where Jesus got into trouble, where he actually did the things, and Mary's going, ooh, Jesus, why are you doing this? Remember the time he turned the tables over in the temple? Yeah, I think Mary's going, ooh, Jesus, settle down now, buddy. You're okay. How about the time he called out hypocrisy in the church leaders? How about the time he had time for outcasts, especially the female outcasts of the world, where he had the conversation with the woman at the well? How about when he healed the broken, the man whose friends lowered him through the roof? He took time to do that. Where he sought out the lost, literally sought out us in life. I think Jesus got in trouble for healing on the Sabbath. We're told that many times. Because the religious leaders angrily decided that healing was working and working on the Sabbath in Jewish times was a no-no. So he was kind of indifferent with that. I mean, Jesus even shocked people when he allowed the sinful woman to touch him and be healed. And again, the religious leaders threw a fit because they were considered extremely improper in many levels, the sinful woman was. Or how about the time he ate with the nasty tax collector and people shook their heads because they were social piranhas and they were socially unacceptable to them. So let me ask you this this morning. What would Jesus undo when we talk about spiritual indifference? What does he want from us in our life? In the book of Revelations, Jesus wrote to seven churches. And I just want to talk about one of them this morning, the church at Laodicea. Okay? If you know about the church of Laodicea and you read Revelations, it's a wealthy, powerful little city. About 35 years later, this city is destroyed by an earthquake. But they rebuild, they rebound. Now the city of Laodicea has theaters, they have stadiums, they have lavish public baths, they have shopping centers, and somebody described it as modern-day Vegas or modern-day Dubai. You know, beautiful city, had all these things going on. But Laodicea had a major problem. They didn't have a water supply. So imagine a big city and all these things, but they have no good water supply, and you can see the problem. So what they do is they build these elaborate water ducts to bring water into their city. And they pipe it in from Colossae or Heropolis. And from Colossae was cold mountain water. So you can understand how that was a good thing. But then from Heropolis was from a hot spring. So from one they had cold water they could get, from another they had hot water. So both had a purpose. The cool water was refreshing. Like on a hot day, a cold glass of water. But then on the other hand, the hot was a healing property. You know what it's like after a long, hard day and you, you're sore and you're tired, you go sit in that hot bath or the hot tub and it relaxes us. But here's the problem. By the time the water got to Laodicea, either from Colossae or Heropolis, it wasn't hot nor cold. It was tempted, and Jesus says it was lukewarm. So Jesus is writing to this church in Laodicea. He's writing to the community about the problem of indifference, and he uses words that they're going to understand. That's what I love about Jesus. He goes into this place, and he understands what's going on. He gives the words. Listen to what it says in Revelations 3, 15 and 16, knowing what we know now. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of your, my mouth. Okay? Catch it. Since I know your deeds. Think about that for just a second. Let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus says, I know your deeds. That makes you stop and think a little bit, doesn't it? I know your deeds. You're neither hot nor cold. In other words, he said, I know how you're living. You're living with a spiritual passion and a spiritual energy for the kingdom, or we're living spiritually indifferent. But we need to be one or the other. He, Jesus says, I wish you were one or the other. Either be cold or be hot. But you can't be both, he says, because we both have a purpose, and both of us have a purpose, but we need to be one. I think what Jesus is saying is we're either spiritually stale, we're depressingly detached, and it just doesn't break his heart, he says. He goes, it just doesn't break my heart. He says it actually turns my stomach. Actually, what it means is he's about ready to puke him out. About ready just to puke him out. Now, I don't know about you, but that's nasty to me. I mean, the 35 years I did EMS and had to transport people, and people always wondered what that will was when you stepped in the side door of a box ambulance, what that was for. I said, that's for us to puke in when our patient pukes. You know, and that's just the way it was. You know, but to think about that, that's what it does to Jesus when we're just lukewarm, when we're detached. So let's talk this morning about two causes of spiritual indifference. What it really means. Number one is self-sufficiency is what I want you to see. Self-sufficiency. Revelation 3.17 says this. He says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You say I am rich, he says. Why is it so easy for us as people why is it so easy for us as Christians to talk about sports, to talk about the latest movie that we've seen, to talk about our kids, to talk about our grandkids? But then when we start to talk about those things, man, we'll talk, 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 we'll talk for hours. But as soon as we turn that conversation from those things to eternity, all of a sudden the conversation goes, <laughs> and we just kind of let it go. And we'll say, I'm good. I'm good. I've got my coffee. I've got my iPhone. I've got Amazon Prime. I've got my snuggle blanket. I've got Netflix. And I'm going to just sit and I'm just going to kind of chill out. And then what he's saying is we have worldly wealth, but so many times we're spiritually bankrupt. Our lives are full of stuff, but it's empty of meaning. Things that really don't mean anything in our life, we spend so much time doing. Jesus says, we think we have it all, but we're really spiritually bankrupt. And it's the illusion of self-sufficiency, that I'm okay. I'm good. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We put up these fronts in our life, don't we? Because we don't want anybody to know that I'm struggling with this. I don't want somebody to know I'm struggling with that. I don't want somebody to know that I have these issues in my life because... To us, that's a sign of weakness. But when we come out with it and we talk about it, it's actually a sign of strength that we can do that. The second one is this, is distractions of the world. 
Jesus tells the parable of a farmer sowing seed. You know what it is. Some fall on hard soil, some fall on good soil, some fall on rock and thorns. But in Jesus' story, some are actually taking root in that. And what he's saying is, but listen to what he says, but the worries of this life, you know what I mean, all the stuff we have to take care of, the worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Okay? We see, people think they see growth in us, but pretty soon we have growth, but then the things of life choke it out. Let's just say what it is. And this is in so many of our lives. You know what I mean? Bills to pay, places to be, people to meet, selfies to take, dishes and laundries to do, Kids to practice, got to get that oil changed, got a PTA meeting, I'm going to save the unborn, I'm going to save the wells, I'm going to stop using plastic, I'm going to start doing all these things, and pretty soon we're so busy and we don't have time to do even those things. What happens so many times? We get up on Sunday morning and what happens? I'm so tired. And what do we do? We stay home. We stay home. One Sunday, I'll give you, okay? That's okay. I'll give you a Sunday every once in a while. But then one Sunday turns into two. Two turns into three. Before you know it, you're a month gone. Even though somebody may ask, hey, where you been? Oh, I'm just so busy. That's the true answer, too. You're not lying. We're too busy. Sometimes we get spiritually nudged by God to do something. That's a great thing. We get excited about this thing, and we start doing those things, and we're all in, and all of a sudden, again, life happens. And the spiritual gets choked out by the world, and that's what God is saying. It chokes out the Word of God. It chokes out what God wants from us. At times, don't you just want to sit and chill out a little bit? Like I said, just a little bit of Netflix and do nothing. We all need it. We really do. Somebody said it this way. Feeling numb isn't the absence of feeling, but the sensation of feeling too much at once. Ooh. Okay, understand that. Sometimes it's just having too much going. You see, all over the world, all over the world, people today just want just a little bit of Jesus. I don't want too much. I might be a fanatic. I don't want to be too much. The church is going to ask me to do something else. I don't want to be too much. Jesus may send me someplace else to work. We go to church, but just enough to make me feel better about eternity. You see, I was baptized as a kid. We go to church at times, but not so much, but just enough so I feel better. We do something to help someone in need, but just enough to give me some security and comfort. But we have to ask, what are we truly doing? What are we truly getting out of life? What are we truly doing that pleases God? What are we truly doing that builds our life spiritually? So how do we live with lukewarm indifference? I've got some ideas for you. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each one of these. Just to give you an idea to start formulating in your mind, number one is this. We're concerned more with impressing people than living for God. I'm more concerned about what I drive. 
I'm more concerned about what I wear. Am I popular? Do I blend in? You've heard, you know, not picking on girls, but girls more than guys. You like my hair. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. You know, is my hair okay? Do my sh- shoes, do you like my music? Am I cool? In other words, do you like me? We are so concerned with what people think, so often we forget about what God thinks about us. And what God thinks about us matters the most. We're a child of God. We were created in His image. Who cares what other people think? And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, because I'm looking at a lot of your ugly mugs, and you just don't care, you know. And you're sitting there saying, well, I'm looking at your mug, too, and you just don't care. Timothy said this. Listen to what Timothy says. In the end times, there will be people who are lovers of self. You know what that means? It's all about me. It's what I want. What's important for me? Do you like me? you like my selfie? And Jesus says this. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. When I read that, somebody else put this little thing together. When I read that, I'm thinking, that's tough. Because I want people to like me. I really do. I want people to think well of me. I really do. But you know what? If you don't, if I do something to make you mad, or if I say something from the pulpit... I know the pulpit's behind me from the stage, and I make you mad. It's okay. God still loves me. That's all that matters. You see, if we're so concerned with what people think about us, we can never, ever be living completely for what God thinks about us. So I'm here to say this. I'm not here to make everybody happy, okay? Are you good with that? Are you okay with that? No, you're not. You're lying to me. Okay? That's just the way it is. Number two, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. We're more concerned with what we have here on this earth than what we have with eternity. All about what I can get now. You know, all those things in life, all those toys in life. I want this. I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I wish I need to get me through the day. We want all those things. What have I ever want? Whatever I want, I get. And Jesus says this, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. It's not bad to have things. But when those things get in the way of our spiritual life, we become spiritually indifferent to what God wants, but we go with the world and we listen to the world. Number three, We rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. I've said this before in the last few weeks, but we do rationalize sin. In fact, we actually take what God calls sin and we'll rename it to make it sound better. So it doesn't sound as bad. We give it a better name. And I hear people say, and I have to be careful because I say, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Okay? We do that all the time. We compare I go to church, you know, almost every Sunday. They only come twice a month, you know, so I'm better than they are. It's not hurting anyone. What I'm doing in my life 
It's not hurting anybody else. And when we start saying that, what are we saying? Who are you to judge me? Right? Because what does the Bible say? It says we're not to judge, right? Not completely. Not completely. We need people in our life to speak into our life the truth. And just because we speak the truth doesn't mean we're judging, but it means we're speaking truth into your life. You take it as judgment, and we get mad, and we get frustrated, and we do all those things, and that's when I get in trouble, or the elders get in trouble, or the board gets in trouble. But it's what it is. We say, well, the suffering in my life isn't that big a deal. Or we say, everybody gossips. What does the church call gossip? Prayer request. I just can't say Joanne needs our prayer. I won't say Joanne has this. You know, and then that goes something else to something else. We call it gossip, but well, we call it prayer request. It's not pornography. It's adult entertainment. Pornography is a bad word, isn't it? But it's adult entertainment. I'm only looking. I'm not doing anything else. I'm just looking. So what we do is we rationalize it. And I have to say, but we as Christians get pretty good at it. So we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. Number four, we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. Now remember, we're talking about being indifferent. We're talking about what Jesus says being lukewarm is. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. We believe in him, but if we already have them, him, we're okay. I've got Jesus in my life. I was baptized. I'll hit church when it's convenient. So I'm okay. So we don't need to invite others to know his goodness either. And that's what gets us. So my question for us this morning is this. If this is true, why don't we share our faith more? If we really believe that people without Christ are destined for a place of eternity, a place that exists, this place we call hell, and if we love people at all and believed in hell and that people are going to hell, then we would let our light shine all the time. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when we're tired. Now, I don't know about the ones that went Friday night to the football game. By the time Friday night came, I was tired. I think most of us were tired, but we had a good time, didn't we? That was the best part. It wasn't that we had pizza and that we had all those drinks for these kids and they were out doing their thing. We were in a little group. We had fun as we were doing this. And we got tired and we got home and went to bed and separately. <laughs> I saw some of your faces. We, then we got up Saturday and did it all over again, the things we had to do. And that's what it's all about. But we share our faith even when we're tired, even when we don't feel like it. Why? Because we believe in a place called heaven, but we also believe in a place called hell. And people are going to hell. We live with a spiritual indifference. And this is what Jesus is talking about. We're just kind of lukewarm. I have Jesus, so I'm good. Other people, good luck. Number five. We turn to God when we need him. Okay? And what I mean by this is rather than seeking him daily, we seek him when it benefits us. 
In other words, he's a tool in our toolbox when we need him. It's not a God we fear, not a God we worship. So when we think everything is all good in our life, and we're walking through life, and it's all good, and we're happy, and all those things, we thank God, I got this, God. You kind of stay in heaven where you belong. I've got this. Things are good. But then all of a sudden, something is bad. Somebody in the family gets sick or we're struggling with something. Okay, God, you can come from heaven. You can help me now. And then we find out a couple days later, eh, it wasn't all that bad. It's okay, God, go back on your shelf. I'll come back when I need you. Okay, that's kind of what this means. We only turn to God when we need him. Understand. I know we kind of kind of do this in our life, but God is always happy when we come to him. He just wants us to do it daily and recognize him in our life as we go through life. Number six, we're not all that much different than the world when we're living this lukewarm life. We're really not. What do we do? We as Christians, we're entertained the same as the world. We go to the same movies. It doesn't matter that the movies are not pleasing to God. We're going to go watch them anyway. We listen to the same music. We raise our kids with some of the same values. We spend our life with the same things, yet we're not all that much different than the world. There's really no difference in us. You see, without realizing it, or maybe even without intending for it to happen, we kind of wake up one day and we realize we're not that much different than the world. Folks, I'm telling you right here as I stand here, a difference doesn't just break Jesus' heart. Get that. It makes him sick to his stomach. And he wants to throw us up. Let's just say we need help reigniting the spiritual flame. Okay? So just for a moment, as we're going to close here in just a second, for just for a moment, let's say some of us fit into this boundary here. One of those things we've just talked about, and you're going to sit and say, yeah, that's kind of me. Okay? Just humor me a little bit. Just say we need this. What do we have to do? Pretty simple. Do something every day that requires faith. Try to do something every day. Stand up for something, even though I know I'm, I'm going to be mocked. Give when it's a stretch to give. In other words, trust God. Maybe apologize to someone and forgive them even though you don't feel like it. Ooh, that's a tough one. Maybe volunteer to pray out loud at a small group or function. Just volunteer. I know, that's scary. But do it because it takes faith. Put yourself in a place that you might get your heart broke. Do something that might break your heart. Attempt something you could never do without God's help. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says. There's a lie that most people believe, and it's simply this. Well, it's easier not to care. It's better not to get involved. Have you heard that? I'm just not going to care, so I won't be involved. Can I tell you this? It's better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. I would rather hurt and have my heart broke and have a purpose, God-given purpose, than to exist in my life without a purpose. You see, I'm a believer. 
I, I truly hope that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I might have some differences in my life. I might look at my life and I say, you know, yeah, I'm not as strong as I need to be. Maybe I am a little lukewarm. But here's what the good thing is. In Revelation 3.19, the NLT translation says it this way. It says, I correct and discipline everyone I love, Jesus says, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. I correct and discipline everyone I love, Jesus says. He says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, I'm a follower of Christ. And that's what he says, we are followers of Christ, even though we are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And we are changed by his love and his grace. And this is what I want us to understand. We are changed by his love and his grace. But the question is, are we changed by his love and his grace? Revelation 3.20 says this. I'm going to close with this. Jesus says, here I am. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus says, I am the door. If we open the door, in other words, if we invite him in, Jesus comes in to our life. And what does that mean? That means we're no longer cold or we're no longer lukewarm, but we've gone to that hot and even cold is a bad thing. You know, it, and we get this idea, well, we don't want to be cold Christians. Cold water serves a purpose. Hot water serves a purpose. We both have a purpose. We're both serving Christ. We both have Christ in our life. So the question this morning as we come to our invitation hymn, are we truly changed? Do we truly understand those things in our life that maybe we are a little bit indifferent about, that we've kind of just accepted over time? Because the more we kind of do it, the more we kind of change it, the more we kind of say it's okay, it just kind of makes it okay in our life, even though God's Word says it's not. What are some of those things in our life? I would gather to say that each and every one of us as we are sitting here this morning, has something there. Now, I'm not being accusatory. I'm not doing that. But I'm saying if we truly search our hearts and our lives, we can find those things that, yeah, we need to change.